0: Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, good morning, church. We want to say thank you for coming out on Memorial Day weekend here at our Lakeland campus. Yes, we're glad to have you guys. And can we at the Lakeland campus? Can we give it up for everyone at our Highland Colony campus across town? So glad to have you guys here with us, and then can both campuses can we give it up for our online audience and everyone who 's watching in the metro area and all around the world uh, it 's so encouraging to have you tune in, and i can 't tell you how many people I, I' meet out in the middle of nowhere who watch us online and it 's just a joy to have you tune in. And we're we're honestly humbled by it. There's a lot of churches that you could watch or a lot of churches that you could go to that you would tune in to hear what the Lord is doing through this work. It's just truly humbling. And we know on Memorial Day weekend that it's not just a weekend where uh, we get Monday off, that it is a time where we put ourselves in remembrance, and that's kind of the theme of this weekend is putting ourselves in remembrance. And for Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend, we are putting ourselves in remembrance of those who served in our armed forces who laid down their lives uh, so that we could live in this nation in freedom. Uh, and I, I just want to encourage us to have that in, in our memory and our thought as we celebrate this weekend. Uh, and one thing that I would like to do at both of our physical campuses today, can we give it up today for everyone who serves in our military in any capacity? We are so thankful uh, for your service. Uh, an honor to have you guys here with us and I, I've had something on my heart all week and honestly longer than a week. It's been something that I've been meditating on for about a month and I felt impressed to talk about it today and then to take communion and in fact all throughout the summer uh, at our physical locations and then of course, More than welcome to join us online and do this at home. We are going to take communion um, at the end of every month. So the last Sunday of every month will be Communion Sunday, where we end with worship and we end with taking communion. And uh, we'll see how you guys like it and respond to it. And if we do like it, we'll just make it a tradition. Uh, and do that at the end of every month. But what I want to talk to you about today is based out of the book of Genesis. So if you brought your Bibles with us, let's go over there and look at it. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 today. Um, And we're going to look at the story of Cain and Abel. Now, while you're turning, uh, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever dealt with, like, uh, food illness Or (laughs) you ate something that did not agree with you. Uh, This has happened to me uh, several times. Uh, and most notably uh, overseas. So I do a lot of mission strips uh, on a normal year outside of COVID, around two or three mission strips a year. And of course, when you're in those environments, you can't always pick what you eat uh, and what you eat may not be normal to what you would normally eat. And I've had a couple of instances where I got so sick off of something I ate, I thought I was going to die. Like, <laughs> physically die. Uh, one time I came home and it, it hit me as soon as I got home. And I I told my wife, I'm like, you got to take me to the emergency room right now. Uh, So we got in the car and she's taking me to the emergency room. I physically could not make it to the hospital. She had to turn around and drop me off back at the house. And I told her, if I'm not out in 10 minutes, call an ambulance. (laughs) And the power of God met me and thankfully I was okay. Uh, But whatever it was that I ate, I just determined never go to Peru again. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I love Peru. Uh, And we'll go back. Uh, But um, anyway, uh, we know that when we eat or put things into our, our physical bodies, that it goes through our mouth. And when we do that, we're not just tasting it, but there are things that are in it that go through our whole system. Uh, So, uh, I've had two cups of coffee today. Uh, Has anyone had more than two cups at either location? Anybody had more than two? Okay. So, it looks like I am in the majority. Uh, Are those of you who have had more, you don't want to be honest and say that you did. Uh, It's okay. I have the same issue. Uh, So, I plan on having more cups as the day goes on. Uh, But when I partake of the coffee, I'm not just drinking the coffee. Within the coffee is caffeine. Um, And that caffeine does not just go through my mouth, it goes through my system. Uh, Last night, I had a great steak dinner. Uh, I mean, it was spot on, just great. And when I ate that steak, I did not just taste the, the steak, but protein went throughout my whole system. Uh, That when you eat a Snickers, you don't just taste the caramel and the nougat and the come on somebody. Uh, Like, you don't just taste that. The sugar uh, and the fat and all of those things goes through our whole system. Now, we know this is true physically, that the mouth is the gateway to our physical body. But if you don't understand this, you don't understand life. And I've got to, as a pastor, train you in this that what your mouth is to your physical body, your eyes and your ears are to your heart. Now, the Bible teaches you to guard your heart, for out of your heart come the issues or the boundaries of life. And when I process an event, and I see it and I hear it, it's not just something that stays with me in that moment. Um, What God designed to pass through us spiritually oftentimes gets lodged in our heart. And it's not passing through us, but we're out of the moment, but the moment is not out of us. We're out of the pain, but the pain is not out of us. We're out of the hurt, but the hurt is not out of us. We're out of the relationship, but the relationship is not out of us. We're out of the house. We don't even live there anymore. We're not around that abuse anymore, but that house and that abuse is still in us. And what should be passing through us um, gets stored in a hurt pocket and we carry around this pain. And the danger with pain is it never leaves you where it found you. Uh, Pain will either make you better or bitter. The choice is yours. And the sad thing is, is as a pastor, I see this all the time, is that our lives will go through pain. And if you do not learn how to process that pain, and you just believe that like caffeine, you can drink the coffee, but the caffeine really won't affect you. Or I can eat the Snickers, and the sugar won't affect me. Uh, Like that, we would look at that and say, that's just ignorant, Pastor Joel. You can't just eat 50 Snickers and have it not affect you, because there's things in the stickers uh, that will obviously have effects on you. Uh, You can't just go through pain and not realize that pain goes through you. And if you are not aware of that, oftentimes what should be passing through you gets lodged within you and it begins changing you from the inside out. The, The New Testament writes things like this, that a root of bitterness can get in you whereby many are defiled. Bitterness got in them. They, they encountered a relationship that hurt them and they walked around with bitterness towards that person and it began to defile them. Jesus said, if your eye is evil, uh, that if your eye only sees the pa- bad, it only sees the pain, it only sees the heaviness, it only sees the darkness, he said your whole body will be filled with heaviness. But he said, if you can train your eye to be uh, an eye that sees the good and an eye that meditates On what is right, that your whole body can be filled with lightness. And what we want to do today is we want to study the life of Cain, and we want to make sure that we understand it so that we can understand ourselves. We want to understand that this was not just written for us to judge Cain, but this was written so that we could learn from his mistakes and to avoid letting our pain take us to the place his pain took him. Uh, So let's read the story, and then we'll teach on it. Genesis chapter 4, in verse number 1. It said, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And this was the first child ever born into the earth. Uh, The rest were made by God. Eve was made by God. Adam was made by God. Uh, So this is the first child born from humanity. And his name was Cain. And uh, said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought uh, of the fruit of the ground an offering or a sacrifice unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. He had respect unto Abel, notice that, twofold uh, twofold respect, unto Abel and to Abel's offering or unto Abel's sacrifice. But unto Cain, to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord sees this, and he comes to him, and the Lord says unto Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is lying at the door. And unto thee you will be his desire, and you should rule over him. Verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, oh, yeah, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, uh, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the ground, it will henceforth not yield unto you her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond, you will be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Now, all of this I find incredibly fascinating. Uh, And it shows you how fast things can just go in a negative direction. We are one chapter removed from Eden. A place of paradise, a place of peace, a place of beauty, a place of perfect provision where everyone had everything equally. Um, It it is a place that was God-ordained. And we're one chapter uh, removed from it, and we see murder. And it's like, how can man ever evolve into this place where something like that could come out of man? Uh, First, you have to understand what's going on here. Uh, God has introduced something called sacrifice, and it is because that the way man gave up Eden, gave up paradise, gave up peace gave up power, was through immediate gratification. Now, if you're taking notes, uh, you can put this into your notes, and we'll put it on the screen so you can do it. In Genesis, we see peace, provision, and paradise be lost by man's, this is key, by man's unchecked desires. Man's cravings and the immediate gratification of those cravings cost him Eden. Um, God has created a world, and then he showed him something that he specifically asked man not to partake of. Uh, But it seemed like the very thing that man knew was bad for him was the very thing that he desired. Has that ever happened to you, where the very thing you knew was bad for you turned out to be the very thing you desired? Uh, maybe it happened to you relationally. We won't name names. Um, (laughs) Maybe it happened to you with food of like the very thing you know is bad for you is the thing that you find yourself desiring. This is not an uncommon thing. This was the first temptation of man and the first temptation of Jesus. Jesus passed his test, delayed immediate gratification, walked away from his unholy desire. Adam did not. And because of Adam's immediate gratification, giving in to an unchecked desire, going the way of Esau, he trades the future for the present. And he makes a decision to fully engage his desire in the present, even knowing it will cost him his future. He trades this out. And as soon as he does it, it kicks him out of Eden. It it removes him from this place of paradise, and what he did in his present had great ramifications on his future, and he finds himself outside of Eden, outside of peace. There is stress, there is care, and then he literally has to watch one son murder the other. And all of this is born out of desires going unchecked. Now, if you had good parents, one of the things your parents would try to teach you is how to keep your desires in check, that you can't eat what you want when you want it all the time. You can't go where you want to go when you want to go all the time. You can't goof off when you want to goof off all the time. You need to delay gratification. You need to check your desires because if you don't check yourself, you will wreck yourself. Uh, But as much as... Uh, we know this with our kids. Is it not true for us? Uh, that oftentimes we can see Esau trade his birthright for one morsel of soup and we can see uh, David clearly know Bathsheba is a bad idea. and we can see Samson clearly, clearly Samson. she is there to hurt you. She is not there to help you. But we watch these men and these women, not be able to check their desires and we watch the pain that brings into our life. But is it not true that oftentimes in our own lives uh, that there are desires that rise up in us that if they go unchecked bring us pain? So right after immediate gratification and unchecked desire takes man out of paradise, God's heart was to always bring paradise and peace back to man. So the way he knew in which to do that was to implement something that up until Genesis chapter 4 never existed, and it was the principle of sacrifice. And what sacrifice basically comes and and teaches us is that I will take something in my present and I will sacrifice it. I will discipline it. I will, will, will handle it in a way that is wise to make my future better. And it may cost me some pleasure in the moment, but if it costs me pleasure in the moment, it will equal a better future. Uh, and so God teaches his children and he teaches us through the word of God that the successful sacrifice. If you want to be successful at anything, you must delay gratification. You must check some desires. You must sacrifice. That if you are successful with a diet, you traded something in the, 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 the present for something better in the future. Uh, you did not walk down the cookie aisle where I went and bought the Oreos. Like you you, you not came in and you sacrifice. The only way to be successful is to make a decision to discipline the present to have a better future. Those who are successful financially, they came in where they checked desire. I'm not going to spend what I want to spend when I want to spend it and pay interest in my future to the tune of 20%. Like I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to charge the credit card. And as much as it hurts me, I will cut up the credit card and make a decision to to pay for it with money that I actually own, uh, like right now in my present. If I am successful financially, I have sacrificed financially. If you see a successful marriage, there is no success without sacrifice. If you see someone successful in parenting, I guarantee you those parents have sacrificed something for those children. The successful must sacrifice. And so God comes and teaches his children this principle of sacrifice, that the first thing we see Cain and Abel doing is just that. They learned the lesson of sacrifice. And you see uh, Cain come and do something. Well, first, let's talk about his direct comparison, Uh, Abel. Um, Abel comes, and he's the epitome of all things good. Uh, He's good-looking, he's handsome, he makes perfect grades, and it just seems like everything works for him. Uh, And Abel is the direct comparison. And he comes and he offers an effective sacrifice. Now remember, any time I sacrifice something in the present, it's because I fully expect a better future. Like, if I am not spending that money now, I fully believe my financial advisor is going to find a way for that money to make money in my future and not lose it or blow it or take a vacation for himself in the Bahamas. Like, I, I fully expect, like, that money will be there and be more money than I put in because that's the essence of sacrifice. If I, if I discipline myself in my present, I expect my future to be better. And for Abel, this works. He comes and he gives an effective sacrifice where the Bible tells us for the firstlings of his flock, he comes and he gives God that first. Now, it's a type and shadow of the tithe, but basically you can picture this in in Abel's life is he doesn't know how much those livestock will produce. Uh, And he doesn't know if that that one sheep will have, you know, ten or eight or three or just one. But he takes the very first that comes from the sheep, and he offers it to the Lord, expecting that while I sacrifice in my present, it will not only, and this is key, it will not only bless my future, uh, it will please God in my present, even right now. And so he comes to God, and he gives God his first, and he gives God his best, Fluffy, You know, just the fluffiest, prettiest sheep. He gives it to God. And when God gets this offering, he is pleased. And he lets Abel know that not only am I going to bless the sacrifice, I am pleased with you. And Abel walks away with this pleasure, knowing that his future is blessed, but God is blessed even in the present. Cain comes and he sacrifices as well. Now here's what's interesting is the Bible teaches us that when Cain offers a sacrifice, it's not his first. The Bible says in the process of time, he came and brought his sacrifice. And Abel was a, a keeper of cattle. Cain was a keeper of the ground. And so he's growing like fruits and vegetables and, you know, all of these things. And so he has this farm filled with fruits and vegetables, and he brings God some of it. Now, it's still sacrifice, That's stuff that he could have, uh, you know, eaten, that stuff that he could have stored. But it was not his first. It was not his best. It wasn't like, I'll give God the first harvest and then, you know, believe that he'll bless the next. He's just taking some in the process of time and giving it to God. When God gets his sacrifice, he is not pleased with it. And he tells Cain uh, exactly that. Uh, This is not pleasing to me. And when Cain hears this, immediately, this is key, pain enters into his heart. Now, it's one thing when you see your direct comparison... Prosper, grow, and be blessed when you know you haven't really been disciplined. Like, in that moment, you don't feel anger, you feel shame. Like, (laughs) when you see other people out there living their best life, seemingly blessed by God, and watching... Uh, you know, his face shine brightly upon them and their kids don't need braces and they've got a great vacation and they just got a new house or they just got married and you kind of know you have let some things slip and you have not been sacrificing your present. You don't feel anger, you feel shame. And shame is very disempowering, but that's a whole other message. This is not what happened to Cain. For Cain, it's a whole other set of emotions. Cain is angry. And the reason why he is angry is he sees a direct comparison. Be blessed, where in Cain's mind, he did the exact same thing, and he's not being blessed by God. Now here's the danger of this, and before we judge Cain, how many of you know we should take the own own stick out of our own eye before we judge anyone else? Have you ever looked at your direct comparison? And out of that, ever felt any type of angst? Uh, Where you saw someone around your same age, or, you know, for me, I can see every other church now on social media, and I can see their fire services and revival and like all these other things, and you can see the blessing of God on someone else, and oftentimes that spirit of comparison can come in and say, well, what about you? Or you see uh, another family be prosperous. And it's like, well, well, what is going on here? Or someone else get like a, a raise and you just lost your job? And there's this direct comparison. It's someone that you can relate to. And when this happens for Cain, his life goes through pain. Cain goes through pain. But the catch is it does not go through him. He nourishes his resentment. He meditates on his misfortune. He dwells on his wrong. And it begins to literally change him from the inside out. Pain will never leave you unchanged. I, I think about the, the story, and I have been meditating on this just this week uh, the story of Naomi. Naomi, her name means my joy. Like, have you ever met, like, sometimes we may classify them today as like an Enneagram 7 or on the disc test or high eye or whatever it may be, or they're extroverted, but have you ever met anyone who just brought you joy? Like, when you're around them, they just bring you insane amounts of joy. They light up the workplace, they light up the family you know they get everybody talking that is my wife my wife her name is peppy and she is just that she is peppy uh, she's never had two bad days there's just this contagious joy about her and that's how it was for this woman by the name of naomi uh, she has this lightness about her she's filled with joy she is filled with just this radiating presence and she's married and has two sons. And her and her husband make a decision to go after a better life. So they, they leave their own hometown and all that is comfortable to create a better life for their family. And they take their two boys with them. And everything in the story starts off great. Her husband and her sons are out at work. And they meet two young women. And they start families of their own. And everything looks like it's going to end you know, in a happily ever after kind of moment. But unfortunately, life often um, does not go the way that we think it will go. And there is a thief. And there is sin. And there, there are crazy people. And unfair events. And Naomi watches her husband pass away. He dies. And then both of her sons die. And remember the first part of this message... When I take something in through my mouth, I don't just take it into my mouth. Whatever is in that goes through me. And when you take something in through your eyes and your ears, it does not just go through your eyes and ears. What was in it goes through you. You didn't just watch a movie. If it went through your eyes and its ears, there's things in that movie. Sometimes it's courage. Sometimes it's hope. Sometimes it's kindness. Other times it's it's lust. It's, It's fear. It's negativity. And when it went through my eyes and ears, I did not just watch it. It went through me. Uh, When I go through pain, and you're at a funeral, you're not just at a funeral, when you see someone crying, when you hear someone crying, when you see someone yelling, you don't just experience it, there are things in that experience that go through you. And if you're healthy spiritually, you allow it to pass through. It is a moment that you are in, but it is not a moment that takes up residence in you. That you abide in God and visit emotions, but when I am unhealthy, I visit God and abide in emotions. And, and now I'm finding myself not just in a moment that makes me angry, I find anger is in me. And I'm not just in a moment that makes me sad, sadness is now controlling me. And I'm not just in a moment that is grieving me, I am in a place where grieving is controlling me. And it is because somewhere along the way, I nourished my resentment, I meditated on my misfortune, I gave myself over to my ill treatment in Naomi this beautiful woman, had this situation so passed through her that it was more than her soul could bear, and she uh, let it abide in her. And uh, you'd almost excuse it and say, I understand. And someone comes up to her and, and tells her, hey, Naomi, and she corrects him she rebukes him and says do not call me that I am not my joy she said here on out call me Mara and the word Mara it's where we get the word like it was marred like someone messed it up someone marked on it that it got handled so roughly that something got broken And she says, don't you call me Naomi, you call me Mara. And then she says this, for the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. That the Lord in his handling of me handled me roughly. Change from the inside out. An event that happened out here got lodged in here and instead of it passing through, it got nourished and it grew until it overtook her. And it changed her. For Cain, he he has this moment of sacrifice. And he he has this moment where it's not accepted and it's rejected. And he does not allow this moment to pass through him and to become better and to say, well, what can I learn from this God? Let me take this where the next sacrifice I offer, I offer it better and just refine my efforts and learn from this moment. Instead of, of having this pain pass through him, he nourishes his resentment. He feeds on it. He gives himself to his misfortune. He meditates on how he's been wronged. And something inside of him begins to grow that turns him into a murderer. We look at our world and we ask, how can people do like what they did? You know, even this week again, we see another mass shooting and like all of these types of things and just this brokenness of humanity. And we ask ourselves, how can this happen? I'm telling you, this is how it happens is someone goes through pain somewhere that they do not deal with, they do not process, and allows a thief to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus teaches us this. John 10.10, he says, There is a thief who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I think we as Christians even water that down and say, No, the thief comes to irritate, agitate, and frustrate and you know I'm just irritated I'm just agitated I'm just frustrated I'm just sad I'm just emotional or whatever it is and it's like no honey you cannot be ignorant of Satan's devices he did not come to irritate you he did not come to frustrate you he did not come to bother you he came to steal he came to kill and he came to destroy and what you think is just bothering you is actually killing something in your life and if you do not deal with that you will never become Naomi again and Naomi is processing this and no one can blame her and I can understand it because I was there too when my father passed away I, I, I experienced pain like you, you heard me tell my story I saw my mom faint man I saw him wheel him in on a, uh, on a hospital bed it was the first one there That did not just, it wasn't just something that my eyes saw and my ears hear. I can still remember my uncle, who was a surgeon, taking off his mask and saying we did all we could do. That was not just a moment that my life passed through. That was a moment that passed through me. Because just like you eat a piece of meat that has contaminants in it, that while you're chewing it, you don't know the death that is in that meat there are things that pass through you that if you knew the fear and the care and the anxiety that it was bringing to your system, there's no way you would put it before your eyes and your ears. But that was a moment I couldn't control. And I saw what it did to me. It was making me a a bad person. And one of the most disempowering things was have people excuse it. Well, his father just passed away. He's making bad grades. His father just died. He's showing up late to class. His father just died. He's, he's coming to church, but he's not really involved. It's okay. Give him space. His father just died. And I'm seeing this process in me, and I'm going the way of Cain. I'm going the way of Mara. I am saying life has been unfair for other people they still have. Their father, for other people, their father got to go their their, their graduation. For other people, their father got to see them toss the cap. And for other people, I'm facing all of these things. My father passed away in April. Uh, And in May, my graduation season from high school happens, and he's not there. And you're processing what this looks like, and you see your mom crying, and all of these other types of things. And I'm processing this through my heart, and I'm going the way of Cain. I'm punching walls, I'm mad at people, I don't want to be in ministry. And one day, I sat in a service and I had her minister get up and it was like the Holy Spirit was talking right to me. And I, I honestly don't know where I would be without that service. And he started talking and he said this phrase, he said, if you use it, now let me just stop right there. So oftentimes we use our pain as the excuse The excuse as to why we're angry, the excuse as to why we're not making good grades, the excuse as to why we're drinking, the excuse as to why we're not going to church, the excuse as to why we're not in community or praying or worshiping or or hitting our knees in prayer. We use our pain as the excuse for why we're, we're lashing out at people. It's so easy to use it. And oftentimes we even live in a a culture, and thank God it can be filled with mercy, but sometimes mercy can be the highest form of of negativity because we allow people to demonstrate things that are taking them the way of Cain that don't go unchecked, and we're allowing them to not check any of their desires, doing whatever they want to do, and we're saying it's because they're in pain. And I understand that because I have been there. But if that pain keeps going unchecked and that forbidden fruit keeps getting eaten, they will never find paradise or peace. And in this moment, he said, "If if you use it, if you use it, if you use it, if you use it, whatever it is, if you use it, you will never lose it if you use the pain of it as the reason as to why you're doing all those things, you will never lose the pain over it. If you use this Cain as the reason why you are angry and you allow your soul to just be nourished up on resentment, Cain, you will always be angry and life will be hard for you and life will be hard for others who love you and you will find yourself being a herder and not a healer because all you know, Cain is hurt. If you will Make a decision to stop nourishing that resentment. You will see paradise. You will see peace. You will see Eden be restored. And this is why I love the story of Naomi so much, because her story does not end like Cain's. She makes a decision to focus and refocus her life on not what was gone, but what was still there. And she, she sees a Ruth who loves her and she begins to dive into that relationship and then Ruth gets remarried to a kinsman redeemer which is a type and shadow of Jesus that Ruth comes into a relationship with this man and out of that comes new life and Naomi starts giving herself over into what is new in life and what is right in life and what is beautiful in life and the more she gives herself to life she sees that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life and that just like we water down what the thief can do and take what still kills and destroys and makes it what agitates frustrates and irritates we do the same thing to Jesus Jesus said in John 10:10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full and the modern church has watered down that so much that we think Jesus said I have come that you can cope I, I know I know I know you're here and you're broken but you know what I'll help you just get through it I'll help you cope through it and what Jesus wants you to know to today is, is that He is not just someone who can help you cope. He is someone who can help you change. That from a living God can come a fountain of grace. That can take that very boy who was punching walls and so angry and put him on a stage preaching to you that the same God who, who took Naomi and made her Naomi again The same God who picked up David, the same God who turned Jacob into Israel and Saul into Paul and Simon into Peter is the same God who can change you. But the only way he can change you is if you will give him your pain. If you will stop using it as the excuse as to why you are not running to God and lay it down and say God I believe that you can give me life I believe you can make a way where there is no way I believe you can make all things new God I believe in you the Lord healed me of my pain my grandmother She at the 10 o'clock service Just like Naomi, husband, died and both sons. She's here at church. She focuses on what she has, and she knows that while they will not come to her, she will go to them and has a joy. How? Focus. Focus. And I want to encourage you. You can have a story of pain, or you can have a story of courage. You can have a story of of heartache or you can have a story of redemption. You can have a story of the grace and the goodness of God redeeming your life or you can have a story of alcoholism. You can have a story of being free in every way or a life of bondage through lust. But the way out of it is not going the way of Cain. That you make a decision today, I will not nourish my resentment. I will not meditate on my misfortune. I will not dwell on the bad things that have happened. I will lift up my eyes from whence my help comes from. And I will remember the goodness of God in the land of the living. Today, I want us to take communion in remembrance of the Lord. and. At our online campus, I want to invite you, if you can, get, go, go get you a wheat then and some orange juice. It's, it's not about the actual elements. Uh, it's about a uh, memory. And when we take communion at all of our campuses, uh, you do not just consume the wafer. Uh, when you get the wafer, and you can do this while we're worshiping and singing, You do this in remembrance and you break the wafer before you eat it. Now why do you break the wafer? You remind yourself that Jesus had his body broken so that your life does not have to be. And if there's something broken in your life, what you are telling Jesus is that when I take this communion, I will not meditate on that misfortune any longer. Instead, I will believe to see God make whole what the enemy has broken. And I believe that the goodness of God through his wounds have made it so I can be whole. You take the wafer and you break it and then you eat it. After that, you take of the juice. Why do you take up the juice after you taste the wafer? Because when you taste the wafer, it is going to be dry. It is going to make you want something to come after it. And the reason why the wafer is dry is not because the church is cheap. It is designed to be that way. It is designed to remind you that yes, we will go through dry seasons, that yes, we will go through seasons where there might be some pain or some misfortune or things we don't understand. But after a season that is dry and after a season that is painful, there's going to come something sweet that is going to wash away that season and bring a new season in my life. And when you drink of that juice, that is what you're doing. You are remembering the Lord Jesus. And that by His grace, He not only saved you from it, for uh, an eternity, He saved you for this life as well. And so today, mark the season of brokenness as over. And mark a new day and a new season where Jesus' love and compassion is washing over that brokenness and making all things I'm going to pray, and then let's worship. Father, we come before you today, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement of our peace was upon you, and that by your stripes we can be made whole. And, Father, I just thank you for each and every person today who who may be in pain. I thank you, Father, that they will have that pain go through them, that the effects of that pain will not linger in their soul, that by your grace you will renew them from the inside out. Holy Spirit, we thank you that even while we're singing to just breathe a breath of fresh air upon the hearts and the lives of those who are hurting, and that you allow their hearts and their lives to just be made clean and their spiritual hearts to beat again. Father, we thank you for quickening dreams and life And Jesus, we thank you that because of your sacrifice in our present, we can truly have a future that is blessed. And Father, today, that is what we put ourselves in remembrance of. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.